My name is David Yun, and welcome to my viewfinder. This is a podcast where I speak to photographers about why they shoot as opposed to what they shoot with. My hope is to produce inspiring content to get you out there looking at the world creatively. Each episode will end in a thought or project to help bring this to the fore, so make sure you get to the end and uh, interact with me. If you're interested in continuing this project with me, you can help me out by clicking subscribe uh, and leaving me a review on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find me on Instagram at my viewfinder podcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter at MVF podcast, or you can email me directly at mvfpodcast at gmail.com. Best meal you've ever had? I think one of the best meals I had was the first time when I went to Finland and then we went over to Estonia. This was back in 2007. And we ate at this place called African Kitchen in the old town of Tallinn. And it was incredible. It was like a mixture of like sort of African and Indian food. And it was like incredible. It was so good. Good enough that when we went there again, we went back two years later and went there again. It was really, really good. African Indian food in Estonia. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was really interesting going back to us like between the two years because the first time it was still like they weren't a part of the eu the first time but two years later it was so like we had to go through like immigration like passport area and stuff from the first time and then the second time we went it was just all those booths were there but everybody just walked past and you could tell there was all this new money involved there's a bunch of like fancy expensive cars all driving around and stuff where the first time it wasn't quite like that and that was just in two years did you feel like it was better or worse or just a different i it was just, just a different experience like it was just interesting to see i just had this thought like like the uh, abandoned houses you know thinking about all these political structures in 15 20 years and seeing the differences in our experiences of these different countries or cultures uh, as we get i mean i think we're close to the same age we're getting to the point yeah. now where we're seeing these generation separations when you're young you don't see shit you just see yourself yeah what's cool but uh you know you and i come from rotary phones and fucking 13 channels on a shitty crt tv yeah. and now my kids and, and the remote programming and the remote yeah the remote for the TV was connected was to the wired, cord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? We didn't have area codes, yeah. right? Uh, I don't know. No. <laughs> Seven-digit dialing. Uh, yeah. These and it, everything was a long-distance phone call. Oh, man. Uh, even, I mean, this is not even when we're kids, but I don't think people realize that their phone carts, you know, uh, used to yeah. not be able to, like, if, if I was going to call you from Toronto to Calgary, you had to pay, not just long-distance, but sometimes you have to buy those stupid cards and scratch yeah. off the password fuck. or like out at my no you know like my, my girlfriend growing up in saskatchewan like she had this but i remember at like my grandparents cottage the phone was a party line where like it was a shared phone line between like you know the area and you could just like pick it up and listen on conversations or whatever i remember when call waiting first came out and you like double tap the the, yeah. the hang up button to switch lines and, <laughs> and call display 
Uh, kids have it too easy these days. In our day, you have, to internet. Earn it. you have to earn your phone calls. <laughs> yeah. I remember in Toronto, uh, it was like, like trying to find out about like different live music and hardcore shows. There was a thing called the Hardcore Hotline, which was a phone number you'd call and it was a, an entry machine that would list the shows of that week. Oh, that's awesome. My Viewfinder is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network locally grown, community supported. If you're looking for more Albertan podcast content, check out their website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. If you're looking for them on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at albertapodnet. This episode of My Viewfinder is brought to you by Shift by Alberta Innovates. Our province is a hotbed of innovation. Now in season two, Shift's hosts Katie Dean and John Hagen put the spotlight on Albertan innovators working to improve the world one ripple at a time. Here's a taste of the Shift podcast by Alberta Innovates. Make Shift by Alberta Innovates your next podcast binge. Join us as we take a deep dive with the people that are driving Alberta's 21st century economy. These global movers and shakers are working to solve today's challenges, create new opportunities, and build a healthy, sustainable, and prosperous future for Albertans today and for generations to come. Just when you think you know all about Alberta, we're here to shift your perspective. I don't know if I could stress this enough. We have a top three institution in arguably the most important technology in the entire world right now. We will prove a lot of people wrong by coming out of this even stronger. And the way we will do it is by finding ways to help businesses be cash flow positive and by willing to you know, find the ways that we can help. We're just starting to scratch the surface. And I mean, Calgary just this uh, last month announced the fact that they broke their record again for venture capital investment. And some of this is in fintech, some of this is in a whole bunch of different areas where we originally didn't even you know, have these types of core industries in Alberta. We have diversification in our DNA. We just have forgotten about it. Sincerely, we are blessed in Alberta to have all the infrastructure that we do have. Tune into Shift by visiting shift.albertainnovates.ca or your favorite podcast app. So in this, the second half of the talk with Chris Schofield, we'll learn how Chris deals with his anxiety and the vicious cycle art can produce. Art can provide an outlet for all of our mental struggles, but once we want it to be seen, we must face different fears and different anxieties, which might then turn us back to our art. In this regard, Chris believes his prairie photographs are like self-portraits. His prairie drives are like a meditation, and his attraction to the still and fading landscapes and the forgotten structures he finds thereon are metaphorical. All of this as well are subject to change. As we'll learn, Chris has also dealt with these emotions before photography through street skateboarding and hardcore metal as the lead vocalist. Uh, Just wait to the end of this episode. I'm gonna give you a little taste. Thank you, Chris, for your insight and for this record sample. You've displayed work, which is interesting. So we, we kind of like twist it back. You're not keeping these in an attic. Uh, I'm sure there are some, but they've been up on walls. And the, from what I heard, I don't know if you did an artist talk, the first show that you did there, but other people are putting input into your work. What is that like? Because personally, the, the role of the audience is very stressful for me. And I am learning 
I give them way too much power because I am very worried that people think a I'm a fraud or imposter or they think I'm shit at operating a camera or whatever it is, right? For someone like you, standing alone in the prairies for 12, eight hours, 12 hours, putting it in front of other people, um, what is that like? And uh, you know, there's always a feedback loop that must be interesting for you. Yeah, that was my first solo show I ever had. It was terrifying. And just, I didn't actually do an artist talk because I was just, yeah, I can't talk in front of people very well. Even doing this was like, I was like, had a lot of anxiety throughout the day. Yeah, it was just a lot of anxiety and just terrifying. But hearing people's feedback and the, the range of feedback, like some people, really really liked it some people didn't quite understand it and then some people like one person i i knew through a few things we don't talk very often but they went to gravity not during the show but another time and they liked the work but they couldn't actually sit with it or watch look at it too much because it made them feel too sad because of just the way it looked where for me it's some of the stuff that makes me feel most alive just being able to be in those situations shooting and stuff and i don't know maybe just it's my way of like just expressing on how i'm feeling you know maybe as a follow-up i'll ask you well, a lot of questions how about this when you're um i wish i could uh, pick one of the images that i saw because i think they're beautiful but if we're um standing in front of uh, one of these uh, buildings and you're taking a long exposure, there's going to be an experience when you're there and what you feel and want it to mean. There's going to be a separate experience when you print it or edit it and then, you know, uh, decide. Because they were big. Uh, I don't know what the print sizes were, but they're what, two by three um, or... Uh, they're uh, mostly squares and they're mostly 18 by 18 inch prints and then a few 24 by 24 and there was one like one by three it was like 12 inches by 36. So you kind of know what I'm talking about a little bit. <laughs> um, as someone who's printed pictures though I, and I'm assuming that most people that will listen to this have done this but there's a fundamental difference between you know printing a four by six printing an eight and a half by eleven and then printing a two foot by two foot. Never mind framing yeah. and all this stuff. So there's an experience there. And then, as you described, there's an experience hearing from someone of how they're experiencing it. So I don't know, like, how did you feel when you were taking the pictures versus when you look at them as an object versus when you hear that someone, in this case, uh, felt like they were going to cry when maybe you felt something different? I mean, um, do, you, do you have a sense of taking us through that uh, um, timeline? The time different like from when i shoot to when i printed them some of it was like two three years and uh and some i hadn't even like it was like a year since from when i shot it to when i did the edit of it some of it was shot during a really big change in my life it's when uh my wife and i split up and we got divorced and so there was a lot of emotion in there as well and then going to printing it, um, it was it was a huge learning curve, for sure. Like, had a lot of help from Royce over when he worked at uh, Resolve, and uh, he taught me a lot 
and it was just invaluable with what I learned from him. But I, I have a hard time trying to sell anything, and I, I, I hate having any sort of. And something I've always struggled with is just having the spotlight or attention on me. So, like, as much as I wanted to to do it, um, there was like a constant like I didn't want to do it, and just like a constant back and forth. And yeah, I I've had one show since then, but I haven't had anything because it's just been so exhausting for me, and I just the amount of uh, anxiety it caused.、Um, I may have a show again sometime, but yeah, it's interesting because like a lot of shooting helps me with my anxiety and just help me feel calm. But then having the show sort of brings it back, and it's sort of like this crazy circle. One word that comes to mind is this idea of catharsis. But when you brought it back, it's fascinating the sort of loop. There's a kind of a parallel to therapy there, I think.、Uh, You know, it's not like you can just go and sit in a room or on the、uh, proverbial couch, and then someone snaps their finger, and then you walk out and you're fucking happy. It's just not how、yeah. it works, right? Yeah, it's like when I when I'm medication, for, and suddenly like people are like, "Oh, shouldn't you feel better now?" And it's just like they're not magic pills. Like, you know, they the medication I'm on helps take the edge off things to help me to be able to function. It doesn't take it all away. Like I still have to deal with all this shit, but it just makes it just a little bit more manageable. When you mentioned that the photographs are like self-portraiture, you know, what is it that you see in yourself in it, and is there an aspect that you want to show other people? So clearly, the first part of the question is you have a sense that these are self-portraits. So there's something you're identifying personally with. Either how they come out or the experience where you shoot, is that different than how you want to tell people how you feel? <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I always I kind of struggle a lot with stumbling over words and trying to explain how I'm feeling, unless I'm have known the person for a long time and like you know I'm quite comfortable. So like the self-portraiture part of Some of my work, I guess, would be just sort of the feelings I have inside, like dealing with like depression and、uh, with PPD, like with the fear of abandonment and perceived abandonment, and it's just how these images are, just alone, and like I'm not alone, but inside, like I feel like that, but I've come. You know, a long way where I'm actually I'm quite comfortable with it now, and I know how to deal with it, so it doesn't affect me as much. I, it's something I've dealt with, like again, like majority of my life is I'll forget what I'm saying halfway through a sentence. Oh, that's okay. I, well, I learned、uh, that I have epilepsy, and one of the types of local seizures is、uh, something I've experienced my whole life, which is、uh, I can't speak, and my brain will. Be thinking, and then people think that I've just frozen in time. There's lots of weird nuances about the brain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, a good friend of mine in Toronto has epilepsy, and he's same age as me. And but he had his first big sort of seizure back、uh, in his early twenties. 
and uh yeah we've been with him driving and he'll just like suddenly just stop talking and just be staring straight and then slowly come back and it's like so where am i what's going on yeah it's it's uh well it's been an experience it's uh it's terrifying actually i think um oh yeah, yeah. For everybody, as I learned, I had my first mm-hmm. full uh, tonic clonic. They used to call grand mal seizures at home, and you know, waking up on the floor and everybody's around you, paramedics, you're bleeding out. It's. Uh, I think my wife and my kid are more scared than I am. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about mm-hmm. it. I mean, it is such a traumatic experience, but, um, well, but not just dwell on epilepsy. I mean, I think one of the understated things here is. Um, you know, uh, depression, ADHD, all of these sort of psychological conditions, they need expressing because I think the conversation is not there. We use the words more now, especially men. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to be a, a tough guy and just eat it anymore. But these these experiences are very difficult to find in open discussions. So, um, yeah, like, like, it's not something I'm ashamed of. Like, if somebody wants to talk to me about it, like, I'm an open book. And I'll tell you my experiences and with it and what I'll do. I don't go and like be like, "Hey, I'm the ADHD photographer." Whatever. <laughs> like, it's a good handle. For I don't it, plan yeah. on. <laughs> I don't plan on like marketing myself with my mental health, but but I my mental health, you know, does help me with what I do and helps me, you know, see things I guess differently than other people would. I find you know photographs of that nature with your images at that show. So I don't, again, I don't know if that's all you shoot, uh, but uh, I saw that show at Gravity. So, you know, the, the prairie landscapes. Yeah, the the serenity, the sense of, uh, it, you know, it was less isolation. It was more just, I think it reflects a little bit how you talk about yourself. Like um, there are ways to shoot abandoned buildings or derelict things that are more uh, visceral and, uh, I don't know, negative or critical where, uh, you can focus on it being dilapidated. You can get in either closer or just showing that it's collapsing. Um, but, uh, you know, I got a different sense when I look at your pictures. Uh, so uh, I think it's beautiful that a, a person was moved by it, even in a negative way. I mean, that that's a connection. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, like for me, like if somebody has some sort of emotion with my photography, whether like positive, negative, happy, sad, angry, like that's great. Like if they have an emotion with it, then I'm I'm happy because I know like I have, you know, varying degrees of emotions with with everything, with with my photography. Like, you know, some of them make me happier or sad or whatever. So if somebody else, you know, it's not necessarily the same as what I'm feeling, but if they have some sort of, then that's great. Not to again dig. You brought up that some of those photos came from a particularly difficult time um with your divorce or you know with your mental health do you find that you know from a therapeutic lens so to speak that your uh, relationship with those images changes over time like is there something about it where you can look at that image you took five whatever it was five years ago three years ago that might tell you a different story about yourself now or does it kind of just give you a snapshot and remind you of where you were at the time and like i i just bring it up because i find 
sometimes if I'm in a weird mood, I feel like I took better pictures 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes I'll remember what I was thinking. And sometimes I'll be like, this is shit. Like, I'll, I wish I could burn this. And like, let's talk about what I'm doing. You know, it's, you know, particularly with stuff that uh, I, it was just pointed out for me, I'm taking a course with Donna Schwartz at UFC uh, for project-based photography. And she noted that a few things that I showed from my past were the pre-epileptic uh, diagnosis were mostly about this control and then post everything's been very scattered and there's like like i'm not actually that aware it's not a conscious decision but a reflection of how i kind of lost control of my life for a few years do you think that there's like therapeutically is there or psychologically what do you have an active relationship with it that way or or do these things just you know you take this beautiful picture because you're in a weird place or happy or sad and then later there's an opportunity like is it very surface level or you know have you felt like there's something showing you that that you're changing or that uh, you know life goes on yeah um yes and no i think like i've been shooting a lot more brighter photos i guess in the last couple of years and like my photos used to be way darker than they are even like that were even at the show and the some of the darker photos were pre-diagnosis of anything and i was just feeling really fucked up all the time i had no idea like what these feelings were i didn't know what was going on i was seeing doctors all over the place and some doctors were like oh thanks for wasting my time like um I don't know why you bothered coming here because I went to see some specialists here and there for different things. And like, I was dealing with like severe chronic pain issues where you just like, you know, poke my shoulder and it would hurt a lot and stuff, but it was all just the stress of just not knowing why I was feeling the way I was feeling. But after my diagnosis, even the chiropractor I was seeing at the time was like, are you sure there's something you're like, is it just the medic? like medication you're taking or whatever like is there something else and i was like no it's like your muscle structure feels completely different because just the amount of stress that was just gone from just knowing what i was dealing with made it a lot easier to deal with it so going along with that to how some of my photos are like yeah they have changed where they're it became a lot more deliberate and then yeah less like less dark and I've, I've gotten over the last especially like the last few years a lot more picky with what I like the buildings like I won't just stop for any building I used to it'd just be like oh I gotta stop and shoot like and it didn't matter like what came out of it like I just had but now I'm a lot more deliberate and want something unique looking or like a certain pattern of places or like there's a couple like there's a place down close to Rutland, I think it's sort of known with a few people as the Pac-Man house and the front of it, like it's like this overhang over the porch and it just, but the front of it's starting to fall down and it's really neat. So like trying to find unique places like that. So yeah, I've gotten just really picky, which also makes my mileage a lot higher. <laughs> like I, I like, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many kilometers I've driven. Like when I go out on a, you know, I've done like 
like on Friday or on Sunday this past week, I did like just over 500 kilometers. And there's other days there's like six, seven, 800 kilometers or like the vehicle I have, I've made, like I uh, have a platform bed in it. So it makes for longer distances. Like I can camp in it a lot easier instead of like setting up a tent outside, I can just stealth camp. So like I've gone out to trips out into Southern Saskatchewan and so like that, and you know, just aimlessly driving around and just the driving itself is sometimes just as good as, you know, the photograph. It's just, uh, I find it just as therapeutic, just exploring and just driving around and just, the prairies are a lot more beautiful than people uh, give them credit for. I uh, was thinking about this idea of, uh, you know, we I think as a culture lately, we talk a lot about boundaries, but I had this thought a couple weeks ago about how you can't establish good boundaries if you don't know who you are for yourself, because there's no defining line, right? And so when you talk about, for example, getting your diagnosis or becoming better at your craft, and then it leads to being more choosy, although at longer adventures. It's a good thing you know about cars, because uh, that alone would give me anxiety if I'm out in fucking nowhere and my car breaks down. Uh, I'm fucked. But um, you know, so that will be a that will be a limiter for me, right? Because if I plan to, let's say, go out with you, there might be a 200 kilometer cap, <laughs> and I'd be like, you know what? After this, you're on your own because uh, I don't know what I'm doing. But I, I think there's something very important in this idea and it'll be fascinating i mean i don't know how long whether we you could just look at your past work or throughout what will become your career and as you become more choosy if if the shapes of your images keep i guess we use the word refining in art but uh become better reflections of your of yourself it's uh it's fascinating to think about i, I had this uh funny thought when you were kind of talking about uh, getting diagnosed after I uh, got sober and I started working on uh, some of these things like physically. <laughs> so I, I've been uh, with my wife for about 20 years. We had this joke that I couldn't spread my toes. And it turns out that the stress and anxiety <laughs> and anger that I had left my whole life. And as soon as I kind of started dealing with that, because I knew what it was, I can actually uh, open my feet now. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> But, you know, to the point of your, when you brought up your uh, um, chiropractor, that stuff's real, man. Like the brain and the body, oh, yeah. it's fascinating. It's not. Yeah. yeah. You, you hold a lot of stress in your body and, you know, your back pain or your neck pain or whatever. Not always, but it can be just from stress or stuff like that. Like it's not always like you pulled it. It's, it's a lot of other things. It's, it's not weakness, right? Uh, no. Um, yeah, yeah, like I know when I'm, I get overwhelmed quite easily. And when I'm feeling like overwhelmed or anxious or stuff, I, I'll end up, you know, a lot more sore all the time than I would otherwise. And, uh, and I, you know, I've been able to notice that a lot more now than I ever used to. Do you think uh, that connects with the art? Do you find like uh, when you come home, I mean, I don't know how quickly you check what you've shot, but has it ever given you an idea that when you get back from a trip, you're like, oh man, I was in a weird place because nothing's turned out or, uh, or you get to a location and you just can't, you can't be in that moment. Uh, 
it, it's just different. I mean, I think when I go out, you know, I'm all over the place, but it sounds like you've got, not, maybe not planning, you just talked about just randomly driving a couple hundred kilometers in, in any direction, but yeah, I mean, you know, how much of this is really just you dealing with yourself? Yeah, I, a lot of it is. Like, like I, I think I mentioned earlier where sometimes going out and shooting is sort of a necessity. It's just, it's something I need to do. Otherwise, like, I'm, I may not be a nice person to be around. Um, I'll just, I'll get really snappy or, you know, short with people. I feel really bad about a lot of that. Um, after the fact, I wish I had better control over it, but sometimes I just, I don't. I can sort of, sometimes it gets to the point where, like, I can sort of sit back and watch myself do it and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, stop. But I just, I can't sometimes. And, like, I hear myself saying this, different things or whatever, and it's just like, what do you, no, stop. And and I've, I've heard a lot of people in the past, like the cl people closest to me with that. But again, just with learning about myself a lot more, I've been able to kind of like see or feel that stuff coming on. So then I can do things to help not do that. You know, I can feel myself starting to get overwhelmed or anxious. So I'll remove myself from a situation and just like go take a breather and like, you know, play Sudoku on my phone or something for a while or like fuck off for two days and take pictures of yeah <laughs> yeah or like when I have to go visit family or something like you know that stresses me out sometimes and I just need to disappear for a while and have a breather and you know I'll just sort of you know disappear and like, where'd you go I say I just you know had to go out for a bit <laughs> go for a drive or you know go for a walk or whatever do you schedule like uh, shoots just to keep yourself in check or? <laughs> um, I try to go out like generally, I try to go out about once a month. I used to go out all the time, especially pre-diagnosis stuff. I would just like go out all the time, every weekend, go out and shoot. But now it's just, like once a month and I sort of like target an area I want to go to. And I might know one or two places that I want to reshoot and then just randomly drive around trying to find other places or just explore driving down dry weather roads and went on and just see what I can find and you know drove down this like dry weather road on Sunday and found like this house on top of a hill and there's an old truck up there and you know, barns and there was like a front gate and an outhouse and all that stuff it was all there it was like 10 minutes down this dry weather road that you couldn't see this place from anywhere unless you just randomly drove down there and just the randomly driving is i find relaxing and therapeutic do you take pictures of anything else or <laughs> oh yeah like i'll take pictures like just general scenery stuff too or um you know when we go camping and hiking and stuff in the mountains i'll take pictures out there when we've gone on vacation like went to Hawaii and stuff like I'll sort of take what I do here and take pictures there in the same way because I don't want to take pictures of the same tour shit that everybody else does it's like oh here's this mountain or whatever and it's just like I'll take a picture of that mountain but I'll do like a four minute exposure of it instead and it looks a whole lot different and do different things with 
with stuff out in Hawaii. And I did that, and I don't take pictures of people. I just that I can't do it. It just causes too much anxiety, and the houses don't talk back. So they're good listeners. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I might need to take take some cues from you and stop uh, stop being in public. I uh... I tried the street photography thing a bit. You know, when I first started getting back into photography, and I just I just didn't like it. You know, just shooting downtown. So I used to live in Bridgeland and just walk downtown, and I just I never enjoyed it that much. Like I enjoy looking at it, of the stuff people have done, but actually doing it, I just don't. I take pictures of rally cars when I do go and do that. The other thing here and there. Uh, my girlfriend plays uh, sort of a beer league slow pitch, so I'll take pictures of them playing and and stuff and then just long exposure or <laughs> no no just but but all like very candid type stuff of them playing and stuff like that might me actually make a pretty neat uh, art project to do these uh fast things in in slow motion <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've done like some i try with the rally stuff i try some panning stuff or not and some of the rally stuff is done at night so uh you can play around with long exposures and have like a lot of extra light on the car. So it looks kind of neat. I used to, when I first started back in the 90s shooting, it was skateboarding. And uh, then I moved into shooting like hardcore bands in the local scene in Toronto. And then down, I would go into Michigan and Pennsylvania and stuff for shows, shoot stuff there. And that was a lot of fun, just all black and white and 35 millimeter. and develop it in my basement it's pretty cool like i uh, met tyler who also kind of i mean he's from calgary but uh, is really big into the skate scene here and yes i listened to that episode i like that yeah i love the idea of that um yeah greediness i don't know i used to skateboard too but back in from when i was in like fourth grade until i was 19 and then i just couldn't walk anymore because my knees were done Oh, like proper skateboarding, not like just coasting yeah. from corner to corner. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no, it was like big stairs and handrails and stuff like that. And, you know, meet the concrete a lot with your face and, and stuff. But I, I, only, I didn't break much on my body. Just like I wrecked my ankles a bunch and broke one wrist twice and the other one once. But, but I like it's such a you know it didn't break much just uh wrists and ankles it's fine it's, they're just they're just yeah. joints no biggie <laughs> yeah that's cool I, it's it's fun to just bring them at the end let's call it the dichotomy of uh you know we didn't really get into it but the hardcore um hardcore scene music straight edge skateboarding and then how not just your photography but how serene you seem because you're embracing this sort of isolation i i can't you know imagine the idea of being like some shitbox basement sweat club <laughs> people screaming at each other and uh and then kind of like standing in the prairie staring at a building you know it's it's a fascinating thing i i used to actually be the one screaming too, of course yeah. I, was vo- I was i was vocals in a hardcore band for a while <laughs> yeah what, what's uh what do you think? Is there? Is it the same? Is it different? Is it two sides of the same um, coin? Is it? I don't know. They, it's weird because like it's sort of, sort of like when I used to be, you know, vocals in a hardcore band, um, it was terrifying 
but it was also very therapeutic. Like the stuff I would would write was very like personal, like me dealing with different things in life back more when I was involved more with uh, church and Christianity and just like dealing with faith and figuring myself out with that and ultimately just sort of like walking away from church stuff. But uh, when the st shows would start, like I don't necessarily remember the show very well. <laughs> like it would just sort of like I'd go into my own space, um, not we weren't like a very like talkative preachy type hardware van like it was more i barely faced the crowd i ended up sometimes a little bloody because i'd be hitting myself in the head with a microphone or stuff like that and yeah it was uh it was great but uh yeah once that ended i didn't have anything for a while and sort of that's when photography came back in a few years later when that ended that's when i moved out here I'm, I'm just now disappointed we both haven't been smashing our faces into these mics we're talking into. I, it's a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people who know me now and didn't know me back then are like, you used to do what? And it's just like, yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, I was, you know, vocals in a hardcore band. Like a very loud, screamy, you know, metal-ish hardcore band some of the flyers when we play shows and stuff uh description of our band was terrifying and beautiful all in the same breath yeah sounds like uh a good name for your next show i think uh i i thought about that and like my last show like the one at gravity was called becoming silhouettes which it just the things that were so important in the past um, just sort of become like those shadows on the side of the road that nobody pays attention to anymore. And that was kind of, cause I, I, I don't consider myself like a, like a, it's not like documentary type photography, even though like, if I don't shoot this stuff now, it's going to go away, but you know, they're no longer the center of attention. The title also came partly from a song by you know, the song or album title of, uh, from uh, the band the postal service they have a song or something that has something to do with becoming silhouettes and that sort of stuck with me kind of how i name a lot of my work is uh, a mixture of between how i'm feeling and then a lot of the music or lyrics that i from songs i listen to the concept of creativity is a fascinating one it sounds like whomever you've been you've needed to get something out <laughs> yeah i think that would be accurate I'm, you know what, now that I'm talking to you, I feel like I need to give hardcore singing a try. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> it'd be fun. It's interesting. It's not, it's not always angry music. It's, uh, you know, I know it, it being in that scene, the hardcore and straight edge stuff, pretty much like it was also in a really dark time in my life, like growing up through like divorced families and, you know, shitty childhoods and all that stuff and then just dealing with a bunch of stuff you know it kept me out of a lot of things like if i didn't go into that i probably would have went into drinking and drugs and stuff but i saw a lot of that growing up and didn't really want a lot of that in my life you know i'm fine if people want to drink around me or whatever i'm not crazy and gonna like carve an x into their back or whatever <laughs> but uh yeah, it just, I think being surrounded in that scene really helped me a lot 
and it was just something I needed at that time. One of the things I've learned is uh, religion, rigor, the sort of like human imposed stuff is, is so constricting, but spiritualism as a abstract concept. So like when I look at, uh, I bring this up because uh, I think that in your photography and a lot of photography uh, or art practices of this sort of yeah, impressionist nature or whatever, um, I mean, your photographs look like paintings often, uh, you know, there's a spiritualism in it, right? It, it's something that's mm -hmm. trying to suggest something that's outside of myself. And uh, without that, it's very easy to succumb to uh, the, the so-called vices. I won't get too Christian on this because uh, no, <laughs> for myself too, I think. All that stuff is very bias forming, but yes. for all the yeah, damaging practices or like, you know, I, I think it's healthier to smash your mic into your head than to become, you know, a heavy drinker, frankly, uh, that shit will heal <laughs> a lot quicker than, uh, you know, an emotional and uh, internal organ failure <laughs> or yeah. the relationships uh, that you break because you're just so unreliable for so many years, et cetera. I mean, that's what I'm learning uh, in my life. So. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear where you come from, like uh, the the wider picture. I think with most art, people need to know where we come from. Yeah. So Self-portraiture, you called it. I like that. Yeah, it's just kind of, you know, the way I've just kind of, I've seen my work, whatever. It's like a reflection of myself, of how I feel or see myself. And as I mentioned, I think I mentioned earlier, where like, Sometimes I've made a post on like Instagram or something where like I went out to go visit some old friends again or make some new ones. And I know sometimes it feels like these places are just going to understand more of uh, how I feel or it's a way of me portraying of like this is how I feel because I'm not always good with words. Our second sponsor is Career Essentials, a new podcast from techlifetoday.ca and Nate. Career Essentials offers real-world advice and insight into different careers and career paths. It features the stories and experiences of Nate alumni, with lessons for everyone. Discover perspectives, tools, and tips essential to career growth and success, no matter what stage you're at in your career journey. A recent episode you might find interesting features Jennifer Stang, who explains why she switched from a planned career in medicine to baking and owning Edmonton's La Boule Patisserie and Bakery. She also shares how to recognize that maybe you're on the wrong career path and why you shouldn't ignore the signs. Find Career Essentials on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it at techlifetoday.ca forward slash podcast. We've got a lot to work through here. Our mental health doesn't just affect our mood, it can impact our physical bodies as well. How do we approach unraveling all of this stress? One great way is through our creativity. Chris sees so much of himself in the process of developing his work as much as the final product itself. Finding offshoot roads and gravel paths, having the patience and focus to drive along impossibly barren and isolated areas in hopes of discovering a piece of life someone left behind. And he has the courage to share these meditations with the world. So this week, let's take a moment to sit apart from all that daily stress. Let's think about a creative project a picture, a painting. How about some karaoke? I know, why don't I hit play on this old tape deck? For those of you born after Generation X, that's what we listen to music on, magnetic tape in plastic rectangular boxes. And I'll say goodbye for this week with the sweet dulcet tones of Chris's metal band Shiloh.
You're welcome. If you could tell the world one thing, what would it be? Just stop and listen. Like, don't always feel like you're the one who needs to talk. You know, listen to what other people have to say because you're not going to always be right. You might actually learn something.